0: Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance
1: Show with your host, Teresa Kitchens. Join us as we laugh, talk about hard issues, support each other, and make our industry and our world a better place. Let's go. Hey, 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 happy June, everyone. Welcome to the Power Women in Insurance Podcast. Today we have a special treat for you and I know I say that but you guys we have so many amazing women in this industry I'm just I'm just blown away every single time. I'm just blown away. But this time we have Alyssa Stamp and she is with Insure Equality. And we are talking today about the industry. We're talking about people. We're talking about change. We're talking about moving into the future, making the world safe for democracy. That's what I always say. We're here to be able to make the world safe for democracy. And today we're talking to Alyssa. Hi. Great to have you today. Thanks for coming. Thanks so much for having me, Teresa. It
0: is a delight to be here. And I think you nailed it with that intro. I think we're going to go a lot of places
1: today. Well, you know, I think that's the whole concept, right? Ensure equality. And I think it has to do with the past. I think it has to do with the present. And it has to do with the future. And it has to do with how we as individuals can make it all, make the world a better place. So tell me how you got where you are today. And how you have been able to really grasp onto your passion with this project. Absolutely.
0: And um, I have to start out with like how I got into insurance, right? Yeah. Because like that's that's why we're here. That's the industry we're talking about. It's the industry we all love. And for me, that journey started like many people that you know didn't go to college specifically for, an ins- for insurance. I fell in. (laughs) I I graduated in December of 08, right when that market crash happened. Mm -hmm. And I had experience in banking. I spent three years in it. I was just like, I gotta get out and went to the closest branch I could find, interviewed, looked up what underwriter meant from Google and got the job. And you know, to be honest, I, I really liked insurance. I really liked it. I I loved underwriting. I sat at a desk for Gosh, probably seven years, my first seven years on the carrier side. And then I spent an additional three years on the carrier side in in marketing shoes, as it were, because there's a chance to learn something new every day here. Uh You don't always get that opportunity in other industries. You get that specialist focus. But there's something unique and special about being able to walk in every day and learn about dry cleaning or learn about a barbershop or learn about something that you never imagined you would it's like watching those youtube videos but it's part of your job i will tell you though throughout my insurance career though there were those little moments of like knowing that maybe i didn't quite fit the bill for what they imagined Mm. leader uh maybe you can relate to some of those like i I walked into an office one day and i was very freshly a marketing rep and as you probably know marketing reps do a lot of golf outings. They do a lot of food. Um, There's a lot of fun, but there's a lot of business to it too. And so I walked up to my boss one day and I said, Hey, um, I'd really like to take golf lessons. He's a big golfer. Where do you think I could get them? And he very politely, but like very directly was like, you really ought to focus on your job first. You know, like you just started, you should really like, Focus on understanding the territory, learning, and I know that those of you listeners are not going to see Teresa's face, but it was the face that I made. It was the, (laughs) wait a second. It was like, hold on. Yeah, I thought this is where we were supposed to go. And so, like, I, I didn't take it to heart. I just was like, you know what, he's probably right. I ought to, you know, spend some time learning more about it. And I was talking with the other new marketing rep on the team later that day. And he walks up to me and he goes, you wouldn't believe what Mr. Boss just said. He told me that I should take some golf lessons. No. (laughs) And I mean, that is one moment. That's not a big moment that wasn't super damaging, but it, really just kind of gut-checked me a little bit and was like, wait a second, this doesn't feel the same. Like, why did you get asked to do that? And I didn't, I had more time in industry. I had more time in my territory
1: mm-hmm.
0: and it just, the the math didn't work out is is what I'm saying.
1: Well, I think it, it put probably like a, 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 hmm in the back of your mind, like a, what do you want to call it? Like an awareness, I guess, you know, like a, a momentary, like, ah, what's up there? Yes,
0: exactly. It was definitely an awareness because then as you started to do other parts of your job, you'd notice when people kind of mentally put you in a different category. Like when you finished a meal and I went to pick up my purse instead of like just standing up and walking away, there was that moment and then they would hold the door open. And I was like, did did I just get put into a different category now because I did something different that signaled something else to me. But that aside, it was just one of those careers that like, I had a lot of self-awareness to what was going on, but I didn't really felt feel like I could do anything about it. You know, mm-hmm. like in one person, in one spot, does anybody even feel the same way I do? Mm-hmm. Would it would even matter if I said anything. So fast forward to 2020. And I know I don't need to tell you or probably anybody that 2020 just all had this effect on us where we kind of stopped and had to go, you know, what are we really doing? Why are we really here? And So I wanted to go to the agency side. I wanted desperately to start using the small commercial and the business knowledge that I had, because I was watching, I sit in Chicago and I was watching all of the businesses around me, all the Mm -hmm. ones shut down and it was heartbreaking. I was like, how can I do something different? And as you probably know, there's not a ton of women agency owners. There's certainly not one here. And I was like, you know, I didn't have a lot of people put the ladder down for me behind them. Maybe I can do that. Maybe I can just by being there, like it will help. And the first three months were awesome. The first three months were great. (laughs) I met so many other women in insurance that were amazing. I sat on calls with them. It really gave me the fire to be like, Hey, we, as women can do this. We're great at it. And I wanted to keep going. And then I was met with a really brutal takedown and yeah. And I won't go into the details because to be honest with you, you could probably copy and paste my story onto a thousand, well, more than a thousand, thousands of other women that have been in the same positions. And it was, it was really tough. It was really, really tough. But what saved me in those moments were other women. Mm. So all of those women that I had made contact with, we were sitting on a phone call one day and... This is the part of my story I tell every single time because it's the most impactful in my mind. I get chills every time I say it. We were sitting in that Zoom room because it's still locked down. We've got people from across the country and someone looks directly at me and goes, what's going on? And I shared. And I was terrified to say something because I was like, oh, they're just going to say, well, you should have known you should have done this. You You know, like insurance right did you mitigate your risk did you underwrite it? <laughs> right. that's what I'm thinking in the back of my head former underwriter did I really not you know see everything but instead I was met with this incredible virtual bear hug
1: mm.
0: of just love understanding validation and then to my like simultaneous delight and horror every single one of their
1: stories mm. so then you you really got to hear that it wasn't just your story it was really. A thing that needed to be addressed. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. So taking us back to that like first moment of like golf lessons, Mm -hmm. and when you first start to build that self-awareness and then think, oh, well, maybe it is just me, maybe it's the flaw in my character. You start to replay and recount every single instance where you had that moment of like, was that just me? And I thought of you know, the young underwriter at her desk going. Would it even matter if I did anything? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I started talking to a ton of other people past this call that we were like, no, we've got to do something. We care too much about this industry to not say something, because at the end of the day, I'm sure the talent crunch or crisis has come up on these calls before, and I'm sure they'll continue to come up. Insurance has been facing that since before
1: 2019. True, true. We have a lot of people aging out of the industry and we have a lot of people who just haven't pursued it. You know, I mean, like you said, some people fall into it. They don't even think about it. I mean, we're very fortunate that it has come to the attention of a lot of universities and so forth as a risk management degree. And that I think is paving a new way for us. But again, that, that could go into any industry. I mean, it doesn't mean it's just insurance, right? I mean, risk management can be casinos. It could be how to be able to make sure big companies have their risk management in place. Um, But paving forward, we need to make some big changes in our industry.
0: Yeah, we have to be able to say, hey, we do want the representation at the top in leadership. Oh, and by the way, we want you here. And here's -hmm. here's the ways we're going to show it to you. Because I was told that I was wanted at the place that I went where I had my takedown. And I didn't feel like it. (laughs) Within three months, I really, really did not feel like it. So I think it would behoove us as an industry and as individuals, this is something that we talk about as a team every day. Are we asking ourselves the right questions? Where is it that we want to go and how do we get there? Knowing that we're just five individuals that have worked either on the periphery of insurance or deeply within it and that we don't have all of the answers either. That we're still trying to compile the best from all of the different places and pay people to like talk to us about their experiences or a better way forward. And so that's really how IE ensure Equality was born, was thousands of conversations across the entire industry going, we all know we want to be better. We don't all know how to get there, but we got to start somewhere, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to make sure I know this is the power of women in insurance podcast, of course, but at the same point, what we're talking about here is universal equality. It's not about male versus female. It's not about gender. It's not about race. It's not about all these things. It's about all of it. Right. It's about right. LGBTQ rights. It's about all of it. It's about equality across the board. So I just want to make sure that the listeners out there really get what we're talking about here is much larger than just women. And I, and I'm not really using the term just women as in just women. Like it's just, it's such a large conversation. Alyssa, what type of, and I don't even know exactly how to ask the question I'm kind of thinking of. And it's not that I really want to know people's specific stories because it's very private and they're very intimate, but at the same point, I think people need to understand the things that are going on. And I know that every industry has them, but I do think too, that the insurance industry kind of is a little bit further behind sometimes than other industries. Tell me what you're encountering out there in generalities, yeah. as far as the type of, 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 of journeys that people are having that are reaching out to you. Cause you talked about the fact that you have talked to thousands of people. Tell me about the outcry of, of the people that you've talked to.
0: Oh, man, Teresa, you you hit on so many things there, and I'm going to try to do my best to get to all of them because all of them are so important. And you're right. It isn't just about women. It's about black people, brown people, queer people. We're all coming to this industry and having a bit of a like crisis of consciousness or crisis of self-awareness, as we've kind of alluded to. Generally speaking, I'd say the biggest theme that I see, and we can dig into like a couple of different themes that are popping up, but I the biggest and general overall theme is that of confidentiality and retaliation. Mm. There's two that I almost hear in every single story of the threat of if you tell anyone, I'll make sure you can never work in this industry again. Mm. That's fantastic. Common when I hear or somebody signed an NDA and then they were shuffled from one position in the company to another to basically say, well, you were the issue here, not what happened Uh to you, but you were the issue. Kind of Uh, like a
1: you're talking about kind of like a, a back cubicle kind of thing. So not necessarily being released from a position, but being released from an authority or a place that they can grow from.
0: And it could even be as simple as um, I'll give you an example from a marketing rep standpoint, because I spent some time in marketing shoes. Yeah. It would be a switch in territory. And mm. if you're listening and you're like, well, that isn't that big of a deal. Now you don't have to be next to the person that did that to you. Yes. And what if that was a territory that you had built from the ground up where you had a ton of relationships or what if that was the most lucrative territory in your region yeah. and you just got basically, moved from what you were familiar with and you lost the potential to earn a specific amount of income. So there's, there's more pieces at play here. And I'd say the other theme that consistently comes up, and this is whether or not you're in the field or remote or within the office would be based on a relationship. Uh So we're a very third party heavy industry, as you know, like one small independent agency can have, I mean, Dozens of contracts and vendors with absolutely, so that's something that you're always conscious of and maintaining those relationships. And what we found is a lot of companies are holding on to either the dollar amount that relationship provides, the longevity of that contract, or something of that nature to either allow that behavior to continue or to say in their minds that it's okay because it's just one person there that's doing it, Mm,
1: right.
0: So generally, those are the two themes. I can tell you from personal experience as a marketing rep that a lot of this holds true. And I I don't want to spend just the whole time on marketing reps. I'm talking from my experience because this is the story I can tell. As Teresa alluded to, I cannot speak for everybody. That's why we allow on our site a place for people to say what their story was anonymously. And we Mm -hmm. take that very seriously because, like I said, the biggest theme is confidentiality and retaliation. But I will say the biggest thing that stands out to me over the course of time that alludes back to that third-party relationship piece is there's this very common conversation that goes from marketing rep to marketing rep. If you're handing off an agent or a territory or something of that nature, and it's kind of like, hey, Teresa, you may not want to go into so-and-so's office, not alone anyway. Uh, Or, hey, Hey, Teresa, don't wear skirts to this office. Just as a general rule, not great. If you need anything, go talk to the woman at the front desk because she'll get you everything that you need. And it's this understanding and this knowing that we know who's causing harm, but we're
1: too afraid to say anything or that they're protected. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think I've heard minor things like that, even in my end, and I'm, I'm on the agency ownership side, right? I'm kind of almost, I'm not going to say removed, but I'm kind of in the little space that I kind of control, right? To a large degree. But even in um, networking, getting out there, meeting other industry personnel and meeting with other type of information and people with other carriers and different things like that. Sometimes there are crude jokes. Sometimes there are just things that are just, inappropriate that go on and you know that there are some specific people that you avoid because of that and people don't bring it to the attention of others. So what damage does that do to the culture either of a carrier or of an agency or of a underwriting office whatever it might be, right? What damage does that do when people take that type of approach? What have you seen in the industry as far as what Kind of the don't ask, don't tell, don't don't rock the boat, those types of things. what what type of damage have you seen that do to to our industry and the people in it? Oh, it
0: goes so deep. It goes so deep because it's there's the obvious, right? There's the obvious of it affects the person that's in that situation, right? There's the hey, don't say anything, don't ruffle the feathers. And then that person goes, well, wait, so I don't rank as high, then, right? Like there's that moment of like, okay, you've chosen that my feelings over a situation don't matter. So that's the obvious piece. But I think the less obvious piece and the part that has created the culture that we're currently seeing, by and large, I want to be very clear that we're speaking in generalities, and your office may be great, your carrier may be great, your agency may be great. By and large, the insurance industry is facing these issues. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger issue is that other people are watching that. Yeah. So it's not just the damage that's done to that one person, maybe their career, maybe their self-esteem and self-worth, and maybe the potential to where they could climb, which could be leadership and beyond. But say you're an intern at that company or you know somebody that just started and you watched that interaction happen. Are you going to say something the next time something happens? What if it's worse and not to compare traumas here? Because if you're experiencing something that's awful, it's awful by uh, on its own. It does not need to be compared to something to be considered awful. Right. That being said, what it does is it continues this cadence of. Well, it didn't happen last time. Why would I say something this time? Well, it didn't happen the time before that. Why would I say it again? And there's this continuous pace of that person continues to cause damage. And not just to that one person, it's whoever they may come into contact with. And then everybody else that comes Uh up, may go, this probably isn't the place for me, or maybe there's something wrong with me and neither is necessarily.
1: And I think it makes people feel unsafe. Not only the person who goes through it, but then people that are watching it, right. Maybe. If something is said or something is known around the office because people see things right, they hear things and it makes them feel like they're not safe, not only is the person who this happened to not safe, but then they're not safe as well, and maybe. Maybe maybe they don't encourage people to come on in and apply for a job at that office, and therefore you don't get as much of a great talent pool to be able to pull from. As I'm thinking, agency owner here, right? So yeah, maybe as an agency owner, if I don't stand up for my team and if I don't create a safe place and a safe space for my team, then they will not say, "Hey, let's bring on this um, my niece who wants to get into the insurance industry." Right, and we're seeing right now that we don't have a ton of younger people coming in we we have we have an okay amount but not a ton and if and they're also very aware of a lot of these um a lot of these equality issues and they want to work in a diverse community they want to work in an area that supports their local community and that means all aspects of it and i think the younger generations are very conscious of the differentiation of a culture in a business and in an environment and an industry as a whole and i think there's so many people who pass up the insurance industry because we're not physically seeing the diversity but then on the other side of that conversation if they do dip their toe in and if there is any type of discrimination that they happen to experience that is swept under the rug or they witness it just makes them want to get out of the industry faster. And it and it it doesn't purport the next generation of integrity-oriented professionals to be able to pull this industry forward. All
0: of what you said. And uh, I read a lot of articles about the topic. I think Deeply about not just millennials, I'm a millennial myself, but what about Gen Z? Because they're not Uh far behind us, and Gen Z is the most diverse U.S. population that we've ever seen in a generation. The most diverse. So they're thinking about it and they're living it. On top of that, 75% of millennials in Gen Z. Buy and work for companies that share similar values that talk about oh. them, they care about them, so it's no longer business as usual. Putting that in quotation, it is hey, do you care about this? Do you care about the environment? That's another one that's that's big right now. Do you care about diversity? Do you care yep. about women's rights do you care about queer rights do you care about racial justice these are the questions that this next generation are asking i was just watching a town hall of a 13 year old that was giving a speech to local law leaders in her area it's it's a different world in a lot of ways and are we meeting the moment and i think the general answer right now is no as an industry we are not
1: Mm. So, so I love the fact that you have stood up, that you have more than raised your hand. You have taken it on as the mission that y'all have with your board and with your your team to be able to do this. And that is a huge undertaking. Tell me a little bit about your organization. Tell me a little bit about what y'all are doing and tell me a little bit about what your vision is moving forward to be able to take this out and really make a difference in our industry.
0: Yes. Thank you. And I will say it is, it's is—it's a team of five, a board of 13. It's not just me. I, I've told my story a thousand times, but without the support of the people around us, without other people raising their hand and their voice and saying, no, this is important to us and it's important to the industry going forward, we would not be here today. So thank you for that. Ensure quality is basically in three parts. We do everything in these three categories. It's accountability, community and transparency. And I'll work backwards through those because I've worked my pitch that way and to undo <laughs> it now would probably not be great. So from a transparency standpoint, we have companies sign a pledge to essentially say they care more about people than profits and I'm really excited that your agency signed the pledge. I definitely want to talk about that a little bit, but I'll finish I'll finish the pitch and we'll come back. <laughs> okay. So we'll talk about that. So it's having companies sign the pledge. It's also having employees within the industry talk about what's happening. Like like we alluded to, it's very difficult to have people talk about because they've either signed confidentiality agreements or they're afraid or pick your poison. They've left the industry. That's a lot of Mm -hmm. the stories we're getting are people that are no longer in the industry and feel like they can actually talk. The second piece is community, which is providing resources for both companies and employees. For the company side, it's to help make your practices more inclusive. I think the example that I gave you when we first talked was we partnered with the translation service because in, in Chicago, the second language spoken is Polish. Oh, not wow. a, yeah, not every agent speaks Polish, but they might at least have resources to be able to do it. Right. Uh, for the individual side, it's being able to give them things that they need to level up in their career or to heal from something that happened. We have inclusive therapists, we have meditation specialists, whatever they need to get to the next level. And then the last piece for us is accountability. And this was a big one because yeah, we can all talk about the fact that we need to move forward. Yeah, we can talk about the fact that this, 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 but that's just a lot of talk. How do we turn that talk into actual action? And so that has come to fruition through what we're calling Phoenix. It's our tech product. And the goal of Phoenix is to help companies see if the values they're talking about within their organization are being reflected. But with individuals, it's another layer of giving them the voice to say, do you feel safe? That's literally a question in the survey, Teresa. So you nailed it with that. Do you feel safe? Do you feel like you belong? Do you feel like you can raise an issue and not face retaliation? These are the things we need to be talking about because we've talked about surface level. Do you like your benefits? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's great. No one should ignore the fact that if someone doesn't like the benefits that we just keep it the same. But I think we're getting to the place in our industry's history where we have to have a little bit more depth than that. So we consulted with a lot of people to come up with these questions to really strike the tone to allow people to say, yeah, this has got to change. And this is why it's got to change.
1: Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. So can I ask you a question? I thought of while you were mentioning that the, some people, and this might be a little bit backwards in the conversation. I apologize. I got to do this. I'm kind of all over the place. (laughs) Um, So when you talk about confidentiality that people may sign within an agency or a business or, or a company that they work for, right. So if they come to you and want to talk about equality and it doesn't mean they have to share their dirty laundry, right? It doesn't mean they have to bear their soul and have some big cry fest, right? So if they want to be able to take the, the entry equality uh, pledge, right? They don't have to be in a violation of a confidentiality agreement because they're not sharing something that would be confidential We can encourage people to get on out there and take that pledge and bring that pledge to their business, um, wherever it is, that, that would be just, hey, we want to stand for equality and maybe even be an agent of change to, like you said, hold their own team accountable that maybe there might be some things that feel a little off, but maybe it's a good conversation starter in the business where they are sitting around the you know break room table and having a what is this what is this ensure equality what does that mean and having that conversation with people to be able to say hey we agree to be held accountable we agree to be a part of the movement and the change and then maybe if something does happen you know just like we talk about the culture of a business right we say does that match the culture of our business so therefore maybe we don't need to do something like it's it's a, it's an easy way to turn away um, turn away bad behaviors by saying that's not the culture we want in this business. I think that pledge is a great way to open up that conversation with the team and start moving that direction.
0: Yes, yes, yes. There's two things that I really want to hit on. And then we're talking about this pledge. Uh, The first is the confidentiality piece, because we've hit on it a lot. And I know that NDAs are used broadly and not just for incidents. So I want to be clear that when we're talking about confidentiality in these terms, I'm talking specifically about if someone comes forward and has something like, say it's sexual harassment, and, and they report it to the company, and they're forced to sign an NDA. That's the type of NDA I'm talking about. I'm not talking about in terms of intellectual property or things like that, Right. that's just protective. So I do wanna be clear there. thanks for calling that out. The second is yes, of course, this should be a conversation starter. And of course, not everyone is going to be perfect when you sign it we're not perfect. There's a lot of things that we have to work on every single day as a team and try to figure out what makes sense for us. And every company has to do that for themselves. And is it going to manifest the exact same way? No. But signing the pledge isn't saying you're going to be perfect. Signing the pledge is exactly what you said. It's that we agree to be held accountable, that we really do want to see how this works for us and how we can impact the industry as a whole. So I got to ask, because I try to ask all of my pledge signers this. Why did you sign the pledge, Teresa?
1: Oh, that's a really big question. I just got goosebumps. <laughs> um, I think but because for me personally, I want to be able to make the world a better place tomorrow. I mean, that's really honestly in a nutshell. I mean, we brought my daughter onto the business. Very excited about that. Um, just like two weeks ago, we had a great podcast recording about her coming into the industry. We've been in this podcast now for over two years, it was two years of March, and I've heard so many people who have gotten into the industry who said they didn't intend to be here, and but they've made such a great career, and it's been such a great place to be able to raise their family, and, I'm, and it's been a, such a great business for them that has given them a lot of freedom and yet a lot of stability and a lot of empowerment to be able to really do what they want to do with their career and that they love the risk management. We're here to protect people, right? We all have that, mm, that that something in our spirit that says we want to make the world a better place, whether or not it's that we want to protect the person who's in an auto accident. We want to protect the person who can be sued from an auto accident, right? We want to protect the people that we are in. That's what the insurance industry is all about. So I guess to me, to be able to have that, that a pledge is not only for me, but it's for my team. It's for my clients. It's to be able to have that conversation to where we push our business forward and also to hold myself accountable as I'm hiring, as I am looking for team members to be able to make sure that I build in diversity into my business. I mean, yes, 110%, the right butt in the right seat. That is unquestionable, the number one goal whenever I hire. But at the same point, I want to make sure that I'm equally interviewing, that I'm equally giving people that opportunity that we're offering the right types of continuing education opportunities to everybody in the agency. And I personally want to be held accountable for that. And I want to display that and to have an example, be an example of that for my daughter and for the children of the team members that I have in the industry who may someday join the industry. I mean, I think that'd be great. I love, I love so much of that.
0: And I love that you referenced your daughter because it's, I, I am not a mother, but I have a lot of nieces and nephews. And I think about them every day. Would they want to work in insurance? Would I suggest to them that they work in insurance and you brought your daughter in. And so it's gotta be conscious and top of mind. And while you were talking, there's something that you said that made me think of, you know, how the old adage is that doctors are the worst patients, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think in our own way, because we're so focused on doing this for so many other people, we've forgotten to turn the lens inward a little bit. Mm-hmm. You're saying we have to protect, we have to indemnify, right? We're insurance people. We have to make people whole as best as we can. And I think in in some ways we're missing that mark. And I would also say, absolutely right, but right seat. I think as a whole, because we haven't welcomed the diversity into this industry that sh- deserves to be here that we haven't seen the perspective or the vantage point to understand that we could be doing something way different and have it be super, super successful. Uh, I remember when I first got into one of my marketing rep roles, God, there it is, marketing rep. I say it a lot, don't I? Um, I was told, hey, this is how you do it. It's very prescriptive. Do this, 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 you bring in the numbers, you bring in this, you bring in this. And so I did it for like two months. And I was like, this isn't working for me. I've got to, I've got to do it the way that makes sense. Cause I'm a very relational right. person. I want to like, Teresa, if I'm coming into your office, I'm going to point out the pictures behind you on your desk. I'm going to talk to you about your kids and your family, because I want to get to know you and then we can do business. That's a buy. Right. So I went into my boss and I was like, Hey, I, I don't like how this is going. Can I try it this way? And he goes, all right, but you got six months. Within six months, I'd had the best six months that a rabbit had in that territory. Nice. So I think the message we have to stop telling ourselves is that like the talent doesn't exist or that it's not there or it can't be coached. I mean, so many of us have psychology degrees or history degrees. Mm -hmm. or We can all learn insurance. I think we have to, as well as picking the right butt for the right seat, be open to hear something that we haven't heard before. And I think that's where the magic of insurance can
1: truly, truly take off for each of us. I love that. I love that. And I think that's really where the future of of insurance has to go because we have to show our clients. We have to show our team members that diversity. And like you mentioned earlier, that Gen Z idea is that they are going to demand it. And And they are going to not want to work in the industry if they don't see that working within the culture of where our world is going, which is one of I mean, I hope it's one of its inclusivity and it's one of, you know, it's what we're all working for, right? That's what we're all, we're all working at and being, you know, more aware, more uh, culturally loving. And that's what I believe that we have to be in order to be able to really move this, move this industry forward. So how are you seeing that the pledge and your impact on the industry is really making a difference?
0: I think first and foremost is something that you said when you talked about the pledge as a whole is we're starting a conversation. Uh-huh. So that's that's the big piece of it. And don't get me wrong, we are not the first group of people that have tried to make change in this industry. And we certainly won't and shouldn't be the last. But for many people, this is their first foray into this conversation. And that alone is super impactful. We have pledge signers in over 18 states and Canada in just a six month time span. So I think that says a little bit of something about how this conversation is like taking root. I would say the other piece of it is some of the things that haven't yet come out. I'm hoping that they'll be out by the time you release this podcast. The first is Phoenix so that people can go in and actually weigh in. And what that's going to do is give us national data on where we're seeing pain points, where we're missing the mark, where we could be doing better. Because this is not a this is not an I moment, it's a we moment for yep. the industry. Of course, we're looking at it individually from a company standpoint, but I think there's larger pain points that we're seeing kind of like the themes and the stories that could and should be addressed. So that's the other piece of it. And then what's coming out after that are a lot of tools, materials, guides that we're gearing specifically towards Insurance professionals. I think that's kind of the key here is yes, there's a lot of companies doing this right now. Yes, there's a lot of companies talking about where we should be going by and large. And insurance is its own animal, right? Right here still, if it wasn't intoxicating in the way that it is. And to try to do a one size fits all type of something on insurance just won't jive with us. It's not. It's not for us in that same way because your business is going to be different than Monica's business, than Pam's business, than Angie's business. And we have to look at them and say, yes, and yep. where we go individually and collectively. So it's the collective conversation. It's the data points to make change and it's toolkits for each of us to take individually and integrate in our current processes.
1: Have you seen a lot of, have you seen any any carriers really embrace the mission and where you're at? Because I think that I mean, I know they do a lot of, and I'm thinking of a couple specific insurance carriers specifically that are very much on the verbal making a difference, making a change. I hate to use the word bandbiking because I don't like that, I don't like that term, but like they're on that road, right? For being able, they're very verbal about the being on the road for inclusivity. Do you find that the carriers have jumped on board with this? Have they taken the pledge? Have they brought you into their fold to help educate their people? Yes and no. (laughs)
0: Um, I I don't think it's a large step out of line to say that carriers by and large tend to be more conservative and slow. Yeah, I don't think I'm preaching to the choir here as it were. There are a lot of individuals that have come to us and said they want this. I think there's a lot of legal departments and HR departments that are just as scared. I, yep. I did a podcast with, I think it was Monica, not too long ago, where we talked about the number one reason that large companies aren't signing the pledge and it's specific to the NDA piece. Uh-huh. And that's why I make the the clear distinction between NDA as a useful business practice and NDA as a way that it kind of silences somebody's ability to talk Mm -hmm. about something that happened. And yes, I understand there's carve-outs for therapists and for your spouses and things like that. But I just, I don't know. Let me put it to you this way. If you got into an awful, awful car accident, you mentioned a car accident not too long ago. And it was like one of the most traumatic events that happened to you in your life. And then you were told you couldn't say anything about it. Even if you could still talk to your spouse, your therapist, your accountant, like whoever <laughs> you were businessly, you know, allowed to talk about it, do you think that would still impact you? Of oh, course, completely. Yeah. Completely. And, and whether we recognize emotional or mental well-being enough is a completely different conversation, but we should take care to ensure that, yeah, it's not fun to hear. Things about yourself that you did wrong, but everybody makes mistakes. And we have to get comfortable as a culture with saying that we've made a mistake and then taking action with it. So I say all that to say there's extreme interest. We've got a few towing the line, Um, but I think it's going to take time. And I think it's going to take a lot of the smaller agencies, the mid-sized agencies, the insure techs, the larger population going, no, we actually do really, really want this. This is where we want to be going yeah. to say, yeah, all right, you know what, as a big corporation, we'll sign it. We're going to join the movement. We're going to make the change and we're going to do it alongside you instead of from the side of the road where we currently sit.
1: I love that. I love that. And I think the first catalyst for change is people putting their ego off to the side. And even corporations saying, hey, we're going to do what it takes to be able to be a part of the change, not um, just be silent and say, oh, well, we, yeah, rah, rah. But at the same point, you know, hey, we're going over here and having a cappuccino, you know, I mean, it's just, it's it's one of those things where, you know, maybe we, you know, and I mean, I'm I'm all about, I'm all about people being honest and I'm all about people expressing and saying they're sorry or whatever that might be but sometimes to make the future better we just need to move forward and not that not that we negate in any way shape or form the 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 things that we need to do to make the path that we have maybe not treated well better we definitely need to go back and do that totally but I want to encourage anybody who's listening, if you do have a challenge that you're that you're in the middle of, and maybe you can't say anything or you don't feel like you you should because of, you know, your, a fear of, ret- of retaliation or anything like that, by being able to embrace this movement and being able to work towards equality doesn't mean whatever's happened in the past is okay. It doesn't mean that those things have to be said. I'm... Sorry for some big, big, big thing in the past about those things. I guess I'm just saying sometimes by being the agent of change moving forward, we can then be able to make the world better for the people moving forward so that then people can recognize maybe something that did happen in their office that then they can make right down the road. If we don't start those conversations, we're not able to start the awareness in our communities to be able to say, hey, that was wrong maybe back in the back in the past. And um I just really want to make sure that um, you know, it does matter that people say something, that people step up, that people are a part of the change, whether or not it's with a corporation and they could do maybe something and just take the pledge for equality in the insurance space, even if they work for a carrier, even if they work for an agency, even if they're an underwriter on a personal level, to just say, hey, it doesn't have to start at a business corporation or a big place. It could start with me on a very individual level that if I'm sitting in a cubicle or if I'm sitting in an office, I pledge to treat everybody that I encounter in my industry with love and with respect. And I think that is some place that if we can start there, we can make a big, big change in this industry.
0: I don't have anything else to add. I think that was the underline, the star and the bold <laughs> on, on on the day. You're right. We're a centuries old industry. It's not likely we've gotten a lot right. And you know what? It's not okay that we did those things. But if we sit and we lament instead of moving forward, like you said, if we don't take action now, it will just be the same story on repeat. We'll Mm -hmm. just, it will be paralysis by analysis. And I don't know about you, but I'm done analyzing.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I just want to move forward and I just want to do something that matters, you know, and make that, and make that change and be verbal about making it for women, but also for men. For people of color, for people of different gender identification points, for people with accents, people from other countries that want to get into the industry, right? With people of of every single type of background. And I think that's what hopefully we can be able to achieve through this organization. And I love the fact that I'm ready to be a part of it. And that you have started it and that you and the team and the board are really making those changes out there in the industry. Thank you so much for being able to step up and, and hold that torch for the rest of us to be able to light the way. I really, really appreciate you for
0: doing that. Thanks for joining us. It means
1: the world. Well, you know what, Alyssa, people want to reach out to you. People want to take the pledge. People want to get a part of the Phoenix. People want to be able to get the resources that you and your team are bringing about. How can they reach out to you all?
0: Well, if you're on social media, you can find us there at Equality on any page. But I would say, traditionally speaking, come to our website. Most things are there. And if you can't figure it out, you can contact us individually. It's InsureEquality.org. And there are two E's in the middle, not just one. That's I-N-S-U-R-E-E-Q-U-A-L-I-T-Y.org. We've got different action items for different folks. You can tell your story. You can sign the pledge. You can contact us. You can be a bigger part of it. We have some volunteers that are joining us now that I'm super excited about. So however you want to show up in any capacity, you're welcome here. I love it. I love it.
1: Well, everybody go to the website, take the pledge, be able to be an agent for change in your immediate circle, because that is the only way that stuff's going to get done. This has been another amazing episode of the Power of Women of Insurance podcast with Alyssa, stamp with Insure Equality and I always I always try to make sure I get those things right just to overpronounce them sometimes. I know it sounds really weird but I want to make sure people get it in their brain how to reach out to you. So Thank you so much for joining us, for taking the time away from your busy schedule. Everybody, go to the website, check it out, tell your story, make sure that we are here to be able to be agents of change, that we're here to be able to encourage and motivate other people in this industry to make tomorrow better than today is. Thank you so much, Alyssa. I appreciate you. You too, Teresa. Be well. All right, everybody, join us next Wednesday for another amazing woman in the insurance space. We are on Apple, iTunes, Spotify, anywhere that you do stream your podcast. Please make sure that you like the podcast, share the podcast, because we are doing important work here. Everybody, I will talk to you next week. Have a wonderful day.